everybody and welcome to another one in our series of podcasts on the subject of financial well-being. My name's David Lloyd. I am a... Broad... The David Lloyd. I am the David Lloyd. <laughs> I haven't yes. said that for a while, have I? I know. <laughs> um, I'm a writer, I'm a, an actor, I'm a broadcaster, I'm a general bon vivant and man about town. And for the last three or four years, I've been sitting in a room with uh, Chris Budd and more recently producer Tomo to talk about well-being. And we'll let you out one of these days. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Who are you, Chris? Who are you? Uh, My name is Chris Budd. I am the chairman of Ovation Finance, Mm -hmm. a financial planning company who very kindly pay for all of these podcasts. We don't really ever mention Ovation, actually, because we don't want too big a deal about sponsorship. But they do actually pay for these podcasts. So little plug for Ovation. Uh, and I wrote the financial well-being book, and I now spend my time either writing and talking about financial well-being, or about succession planning for businesses and something called the Employee Ownership Trust. Which, uh, if I may, if people just put my name into Amazon, they can see all of those books available to buy. And Tomo, who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. Uh, Chart financial planner and director at Ovation Finance, and. As someone who has the responsibility for the finances in the business, thank you very much for plugging Ovation and reminding uh, the listeners that, that there is... Well, it's probably the f- some... reminding, probably the first time we've happened to have mentioned yeah, it in 54 podcasts. Quite. And the other person who we need to mention, we talk about producer Tomo, but also we need to talk about the invisible producer, producer Tammy. The real producer. The real producer. Yeah. The she's brains the behind one, the operation. She, she's the one that will sit in the office and try and make sense of all the waffle and nonsense that we come out with and edit it together in broadcastable form. And what I love is the is the thought now that Tammy will be sitting listening to this and giggling to herself. <laughs> and going, oh, I really should edit that out. Yes. <laughs> but I don't think I will. <laughs> keep it in, Tammy, keep it in. Right, so what's on today's podcast, Chris? Today, David, we are going to have a little canter around the subject of mental health. Oh, a little canter rather than a major gallop. Are we, are yeah. we qualified to discuss that, do you think? Well, I think that's a very valid point. Yes and no. Um... I think we've all uh, got some probably some thoughts and views. I've certainly had some mental health issues over the years. And many people have, but we aren't experts in mental health, but we are experts in money. So we'll stick to financial issues and particularly how they affect our mental well-being. We'll look at some financial well-being principles and do some signposting to where people can either get more information or if they'd like uh, to offer their help, some organisations that would love to hear from them. Excellent. That's going to be a very interesting conversation. Looking forward to that. But before we get down to the meat of that, um, let's start with our regular feature where we answer some of the typical questions that clients of Ovation Finance ask. What have you got for us this week, Tomo? Well, rather than a question, it's more an observation of what I find um, when I meet new clients in particular and when we go through the financial planning stage and really understand where they want to get to and and ultimately do a review of of what they've built up and what they've got. And one thing that I think is overlooked massively in this country is the idea of protecting yourself when you're unwell. Um, There is a lot, rightly so, a focus on making sure that there's insurance in place if you kick the bucket and are able to pay off the mortgage or provide some kind of lump sum for uh, for your loved ones. But actually, it's probably more likely that you're going to have some form of serious illness that stops you from being able to earn an income. And I just thought it'd be worthwhile just mentioning that, that actually you might find that it's worth checking to see if you've got a gap in that area. So think, look at things such as critical illness um, and income protection, which is a particularly good way of, of covering any nasty illnesses that stop you from working. Yeah, and I will declare an interest there because I actually have both of those uh, insurances 
uh, critical illness in the event of something happening that means I can't work, uh, and income protection as well. Mm -hmm. And that gives me, as a self-employed person, a uh, huge peace of mind. Yeah. And what are the five principles of financial well-being is the ability to cope with a financial shock. So that is absolutely yeah. in the space of yeah. good, yeah. good with a the theory as well. And, and we did a, a more in-depth episode on this. Um, I'll put it in the show notes because... I can't for the life of me remember what episode it was, but uh, yeah, find it in the show notes. We, we delve into that in a little bit more detail. Excellent. Good stuff. Now, let's move then swiftly on to my favourite, I think, subject that we cover, which is when we talk to our king of cadgers, uh, Titus Tomo, uh, to see uh, what he's got for us today in terms of a tip where we can all perhaps save money. But in fact, I believe, Chris, before we come on to the man himself... You've got something for us today. I do. I have a tip, and um, it might just turn into a little bit of a rant if I'm just to, to, oh, just to warn you in Put advance. Put the cattle on, listener. <laughs> so my my tip is a very practical one, which is um, anybody that owns a car, which will probably be almost everybody that listens to this podcast, will have car insurance. And uh, we all do our car insurance online these days, and I got my renewal in recently, and my renewal had gone up by 15%. So it automatically renews. It's very difficult to stop it from automatically renewing. They make it hard. Uh, but I did manage to stop it, and I, and I managed to find it somewhere else cheaper than the original premium. So I've actually got it 25% cheaper than the, the renewal would have been. And this has just come on the end of a whole host of ways in which um, big corporates have been, um, I can't think of a better word than shafting me. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting fed up with it because it's not good for my mental well-being. So, for example, I will name names. Hertz, <clears throat> car hire. Another another tip: if you hire a car, be very very careful. I paid one hundred and fifty three to uh, pound to hire a car for my uh, to go to Northern Ireland, my brother in law's funeral. Not a very nice thing to be doing. A little bit distracted. Didn't read the many reams of paperwork they gave me to sign, and it turns out that they charged me another one hundred and thirty pounds on top for things like additional car insurance, so um, which I didn't actually need. So this is a standard thing amongst car hire. So this, again, this is me being uh, taken advantage of, if you like. Exactly the same thing happened to me the last time I hired a car. I hired a car at Glasgow Airport, got it what I thought was a very good price, got there, and again, I hadn't read the small print, more fool me, and I was stung for all sorts of extra charges for insurances that they said I had to pay, and but so, you don't. So, and so I paid them, thinking, well, I have to pay them, because they said it was only later on that I realised I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, there is there is two things I've raised on this. There is the, yes, read the small print and be more wary. But you don't but, know what to read, But, do but, you? but this, this is it, you don't know what to read, and, and it feels underhand. But also, I would touch on the point that the reason that you were renting was at a time when you could be, argued, I would term, vulnerable. Mm. Um, your mind was elsewhere. And you probably weren't in a mental space to think about the finer detail. And that's where I think it, it's wrong. You know, people have moments in their life when they are vulnerable. Death of a loved one is certainly one. Illness, which we touched on. All these things pop up where your mind is elsewhere. So this they is, take this, advantage of it. This is my point. Is that So my mum has recently had to move house. Uh, she's 81. She's not the best of faculties. And it's a very stressful time for her. And we've had to tell all the different power companies and gas, electricity, etc., of course, a change of address. Every single one of them has cocked it up. Every single one of them. And she phoned me up the other day in absolute floods of tears because uh, one of the providers had written to her saying that uh, it was a joint account and she, they had to have details from her husband. My dad died five years ago. Mm. So this 
carelessness. I mean, that's not shafting. That's not. That's just careless. But it had a massive impact on mum on my mum's mental health. And I wish this is a plea to anybody who works with these big companies. Do something about it. Don't just sit there and think, oh, this is just the company. It's not my fault. I can't do anything. For God's sakes, speak to your bosses and your bosses and your bosses and say, we've got to get better at this. Mm. We can't just keep putting the problem on the consumer, whether it's your, your car insurance or your car hire, uh, deliberately setting up processes that uh, prey on vulnerable people, or if it's just dealing with vulnerable people badly. Either way, this is not good for my mum's mental health. And as you can probably hear from my voice, my mental health. No, absolutely (laughs) right. And I think there has been, in my experience, a general move away from what I would consider to be empathetic, good customer service. I don't think that's true across the board. I'm sure there are many companies that still provide very good customer service. But certainly my experience, anecdotally, over recent years... There was the car hire was one particular example. I've had another one recently where I've got solar panels on the roof of my house and I have a feed-in tariff. So it, you know, I actually make a few hundred quid a year. One for tight house Tomo, actually. <laughs> and I make a few hundred quid a year from that. And it was originally, the panels were originally in my wife's name. Now, anybody that's listened to this podcast regularly will know my wife died six years ago now. And I notified them at the time. So it was always executors of my late wife, which was essentially me. And then at the beginning of this year, the company said, oh, actually, you know, we need evidence of your wife's death and all of that. So I had to send the forms. It was a bit of a pain because it was something I'd already done and they lost the original information. I had to dig out the death certificate, send all that stuff again. Fortunately, it was far enough away from the event for me not to be saddened by it. It was just a bit of a pain having to do it. That was at the beginning of the year. It's now uh, September when we're recording this and they still haven't got round to updating the form. It, all it is is a change of name. It's going into exactly the same bank account that it went into. And so I now haven't had a payment on my feed-in tariff since January because they haven't got it together to change a name on an account. And I spoke to somebody on the phone about this the other day. She said, oh, I'll send an email to the bereavement team. But unfortunately, these things take time. I said, it's taken nine months. And it's it, it's, not, it's really stressful stuff, it isn't is. it? And I'm thinking, and it's the money would be handy. It's probably about 800 quid I'm owed, actually, over that period but of time. But it's just that it's waking up in the morning and thinking... Oh, I've got to phone somebody from our local council. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is there anything more depressing in the world? And how long it takes you to get through. Yeah. So all of the... I think, Chris, if I may sum up what the point you're making is, that actually, and it's re- very relevant to what we're discussing in the podcast today, all of these processes about us trying to come to terms with financial matters are not good for our financial well-being, and it seems to be as if they are deliberately created... To make our well-being worse. Yes, because then they, um, if you take the original point, the car insurance, because then you don't do anything about it. Look, the bottom line is, right, when it comes to money, most people don't want to think about their money. That's why they visit a financial advisor. People go, well, go to Ovation, because what they are saying is, look, I've got this money, I'm a little bit scared by it. And I don't want to have to think about it because it worries me. But I do like having it because it helps me to have a nice holiday. So can you look after it for me? You know, I don't want to have to deal with my car insurance. It's an hour of my life I'll never get back, you know. And because of that, they take advantage of it. So the people that work in these companies, the people that work in the council, you are good people. Do something about it for us, please. Help us out here. Thank you very much for that rant, Chris. Very productive. (laughs) You can stop now. Thank you. Right then. Tomo, what's yours? 
Well, I hope it's a funny one, Tom. <laughs> I, well, I'll let you be the judge of that. Um, it was, I thought, it's not a tip. It's uh, something that, that happened that I had a good chuckle to. My, my father-in-law sent me a text the other day um, and it said, just remembered what Toby, Toby's my son, said to me last weekend. I said, Papa, can you make a noise like a frog? And he replied, yes, but why do you want me to make a noise like a frog? Toby replied, because Daddy says when Papa croaks it, we can all go to Disneyland for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good, very good, very good. <laughs> so it's not about saving money at all. It's just a little witticism from Titus Tom. It's funny, Tomo, this week. Yeah, <laughs> Titus Toby. Yes. Yeah, Titus Toby. <laughs> like father, like son. Okay, uh, let's get on to today's subject: money and mental health. So I was inspired to make this podcast about mental well-being for several reasons, David, not least of which was Nick Elston, who was one of the speakers at the recent Financial Wellbeing Conference. We're actually going to have a full interview with Nick to tell his story, but I thought we might first of all uh, look at some of the general issues around mental well-being. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, me and David had the privilege of listening to Nick at the conference, and I, I thought he was terrific. Some of the areas he covered were really fascinated from a financial planning practitioner point of view that actually some of the issues that you discussed clearly will be going through people's minds when it comes to money and the stress around money. And it's about how can we articulate and communicate money in a, in a less you know, complicated manner and, and just stripping up some of the some of the stress that comes with it. But yeah, fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. I spoke with great honesty, great emotional honesty as well and vulnerability, which I think was... Uh, was quite inspiring, in fact, very inspiring. So I think it's important, again, to, to clarify, we're not going to be offering any ill-informed comment about subjects we know little about. I mean, we, we do that quite often, but we won't on this particular <laughs> occasion uh, because it's a very serious subject. There are many different types of mental health issues, including depression, anxiety, disorders, and so on. So what we're really talking about here is being in a mental state that makes it difficult for you to make good decisions when it comes to money. Mm. And presumably there's two aspects to that. What people can do if they are in a poor mental state and they need to make money decisions. Uh, and then how to make money decisions that will not lead to or exacerbate mental health issues. Exactly yeah. right, yeah. Uh, and at the beginning of this podcast, I hope you don't mind me digging into this a little bit, you said you'd had your own issues with mental health, Chris. Is this something that you're willing to share? Yeah, so I have told this story before, but uh, eight years or so ago now, I was suffering from what the doctor called a muzzy head. And I went to see my local GP. He was very, very good. But she didn't really know what to say about me having a muzzy head because there wasn't something she could give me a pill for. So I said I'd been looking it up and, and there was a suggestion that it might be depression or stress. And she brightened up a little bit because she had something for that, you know. And she gave me a form and she said, take this form away and fill it in and bring it back and then we'll have a chat in a couple of weeks' time. So I brought it home and I sat at the kitchen table and I can picture it clear as day. I unfolded the piece of paper. Uh, you know, know, in the old days, David, when you were at school and you had a, 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 an exam, the form had clearly been photographed 50 different times. It was skew-whiff, a bit faded at the bottom. It was like that. And it said, depression questionnaire. Question number one, how many times a week do you feel like killing yourself? Oh. And I, I sat at the kitchen table and I thought, if this is all they can do to help me, mm. I'm going to the wrong place, mm. you know. So... 
the lesson for me there was I needed to talk to somebody and I did. I got some coaching and I worked it through and worked out what was making me so unhappy, which was the fact I wasn't writing novels as it happened. That was what was really getting me down. And I made some changes to life and here we are as a result of it. But that moment of realising I had a problem and I needed to get some help and I wasn't able to get it from that place. Yeah, I think reaching out for help is a key thing. Uh, I've had, you know, bouts of depression in my time and I was on antidepressants at one point. A lot of that was related to my late wife's illness and the stresses and strains that that put on in my life. But also it was just general life, really, the you know, pressures of money worries, uh, worrying about my son, you know, the, none of the stuff that w- was different to probably any of the things that any of us fathers have experienced, mm-hmm. you know, in our lives, having to juggle life and work and all of that, and a personal life and all of those things. But I think the important thing is that you need to recognise it. Once you recognise it, you can then actually do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I... I have got a young son and switching over to being the main breadwinner because Lindsay's working part-time now so there isn't as much coming in there's more more cost with uh with having a child and there was this little bit of I, I I think it must have been anxiety this feeling in your stomach where crikey there's a bit more on the line here um and the thing that that actually works is just grabbing uh, for me it's grabbing a beer with my mates who were going through the same life stage and Every single one of them, bar none, is going through exactly the same things that they have these similar worries around making sure that they're able to provide for their family. But it and helps knowing that, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, when it you're does. not struggling alone. Problem and it's scared is a problem. Exactly. Yeah. And and it is quite normal to, to go through these things and, and yeah, I know it's it's quite popular to say these days, but talking about these sort of things, certainly as a as a young man is uh, quite important. So Nick Elston, uh, one of his um cures if you like or uh, i'm not sure if cures is too strong a word but um uh, medicines for his own way of dealing with his own anxiety is to get up on stage and tell other people about his anxiety yeah and i think and i think that really helps on i remember i've had various bits of counseling over my life as well and one thing that one of my therapists told me once it's always stuck in my mind and it's 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 on the face of it a very simple analogy but i found it very helpful it's like if you go to an airport and you're traveling you're always going to have a bag with you. You're always going to be carrying some baggage. But if you look around the airport, guess what? So's everybody else. <laughs> Everybody's got baggage. Some people have got loads of bags. They've got a trolley full of baggage. Some people have just got a little roll-on, carry-on bag or a carrier bag with a bottle of vodka in it. <laughs> but everybody's got baggage. And I think if you can just imagine that you are not alone in that situation, that everybody at some mm. level is dealing with some level of stress that's going to affect their their own mental health and, and ultimately their well-being, mm. I found that very, very helpful. Yeah, wonderful. that's great. I like that. Um, the, the starting point when I wrote the Financial Wellbeing book was the work at the Pettybron UK Cancer Centre. Uh, if anybody wants to look up the amazing work they do, Pettybron, B-R-O-H-N, uh, just Google that. Um, and they are supporting people with not just with cancer, particularly with cancer, but with any um, illness. And they talk about living well. And one of the one of the ways that cancer affects us is, of course, in stress. And stress is bad for the body, which makes it harder to cure the cancer. So one of the main planks of financial well-being is about having control over your daily finances. Being out of control is a main cause of anxiety and mental health issues. Now. My father uh, was, as it happens, also a financial advisor, 
And unfortunately, he got into some financial difficulties and ended up going bankrupt uh, back in the early 90s. And it was a horrible period in life. I was obviously quite involved with it eventually. But he, we only found out when it was all too late. And he never told anybody. He didn't want to worry my mum. And so because he didn't want to worry her, he didn't tell her that they were about to lose the house. And when they then did lose the house, my mum was absolutely furious for many, many years. In fact, even though he died about five years ago, she still is quite furious with him. And if he'd just talked to her, I don't know if she could have helped, but it would have helped him. He was never the same man again. He, the, taking on all of that himself, all that stress, um, absolutely broke him as a man. So, um, Do you think, now just to pick up on that, if I may, yeah. briefly interrupt, do you think that is a male thing? It broke it as a man. Do you think we collectively... Interesting use of words, I guess you said, isn't yeah, it? Collectively, as men, find it more difficult to talk about these things. goes back to what you just said, Tomo, about you now, you're the breadwinner. You're the one that's going to go out and do it. You know, you're the man. You've got to man up. You've got to stand up. And therefore, because we carry those beliefs around, it sometimes becomes more difficult for us to actually say, do you know what? I'm struggling here and I need some help. I, I think there is... I think that's very true, but I don't. I think that's a particular masculine angle on it. So another story I heard, and, and look, I'm not going to get into territory I don't know about here, but this is just a story that I was told, that uh, there was a, a big tower block or office block in London and uh, 25 storeys high, so the lift took a little while to get up, and somebody was defecating in the lift. Ugh, horrible thing to be happening. So they rigged up, to try and find out who was doing this, they rigged up some cameras and they caught her. And, sorry, I'm going to go. <laughs> I knew this would happen at some point in this podcast. <clears throat> um, they found the woman that had been, had been doing this in the lift uh, and she was having suffering from domestic abuse. And this was her cry for help. It was the only way that she could cope with it and I, I have no idea how on earth you can manage that, your life in that situation but mm. that's just an example that I don't think you know obviously mental health isn't just a male thing mm. so I think manning up and, and breadwinning all that kind of yes that's the male aspect of it but obviously there are plenty other female aspects as well which yeah, yeah. and I think society has is changed hugely that that the breadwinner could be man woman and frankly I'm I'm not very uh, well qualified to talk about the female angle on things but um they, yeah, if you're a female and the main breadwinner, you're going through very similar stresses and other societal pressures on uh, what they expect working mums to be and all that sort of thing. And yeah, know, the whole uh, issue uh, around childbirth. I mean, you know, yeah. we, we, we're definitely not no. qualified to talk about that <laughs> no, stuff. But no. uh, so the message is about getting help, about asking for help. These are not uncommon problems. So I had a, I had a, a message actually on Twitter once from not that long ago from a chap. Uh, who had debt that he couldn't cope with and he just reached out and said look I'm a bit, I'm really worried uh, again he hadn't told his family but he said is there anything you know you can do to help as a financial person and I wasn't able to personally but I was able to refer him to somebody that we know who's a debt counselling company and they phoned the various different credit card companies and managed to get the debt down to 20% of its previous level it cost him a fee of around £1,200, I think, but they reduced his debt by £15,000. And more to the point, helped him regain control of his life. I think it's about, I think that's key, it is about control. And I, I know in the past that I've had moments in my life where I've felt that I've not had any control. 
uh, and I might have had worries about money, I might have had worries about illness or uh, other things. And it's the moment that you relinquish control and say, do you know what, there's nothing I can do about this, I'm beyond help, that things can suddenly spiral downwards. Mm -hmm. But the minute you say, actually, I'm in a bit of trouble here, I need to get some help. And, f and I can identify several moments in my life when I've done that. And at the point at which I've turned to somebody for help, surprise, surprise, things have got better. Yeah. Yeah. And you just feel better just for having done for it. For having even yeah. just told somebody, even for having acknowledged, oh my God, I've got myself in a bit of a mess here. Or I never imagined this was going to happen. And then you can start to take steps to get yourself out of it. Yeah. I mean, there's a popular expression called financial capability. Uh, and this means being able to make good financial decisions with good being defined by decisions that best fit our personal circumstances and values. You know, there are a number of organisations helping people to manage their money, you know, and therefore avoiding getting into this debt position in the first place. And a good place to start and get, get help with financial capability is rethink.org. will all be in the show notes. Just to give one example, they offer advice about taking out loans when you were in no fit state to do so. Uh, when you lack the mental capacity to take such a decision. But the trouble is that it can be difficult to prove that you lacked mental capacity uh, at the time. So the golden rule is that if you're not feeling well, try not to make any significant financial decisions without involving a third party. That's a massively important takeaway from this podcast, mm. Tom. Absolutely yeah. Probably yeah. brilliant. And, and it's something that we take very seriously at Ovation, that, that if we feel somebody is in a... A vulnerable state, we would call it, badge certainly created by the regulator, but I think it, it, it summarises things quite well. That if we feel somebody's in a state where it's difficult for them to make decisions on their own, we, we do like to involve a third party, it might be a family member, uh, might be a friend, just to make sure that we have got all the angles and know exactly what's going on and that the advice that we're giving is absolutely the right thing for that person in front of us. The, the money charity were at the Financial Wellbeing Conference a few months ago. Isn't, isn't that what they do as well? Yeah, they do. They give financial capability and financial wellbeing talks to young people uh, in schools, but also groups of vulnerable people, such as prisons, uh, people with mental health issues. So if anybody would like to support the money charity, or if they have somewhere that they'd like the money charity to come and talk to, we'd be delighted to put them in touch just drop us an email, contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. That particularly includes financial advisors, financial planners that are listening to this and would like to get involved with putting a little something back, I'll use the phrase. Another great resource, this time for anyone wanting to help other people with managing their money, is fincap.org.uk. They have loads of great tools. Um, the banks try to help as well. Um, I think barclayslifeskills.com, for example... Um, and there's some great tools for people to to use to help them start managing their money because it's not something that's taught particularly well in this country and that it's improving with things like the money charity and things like Barclays Life Skills. But we a lot of people need help. And, the, and I know I keep saying this point, but people financial well-being comes from not having to think about money mm. in many ways. And so, but you just need to engage enough to sort these things out. And then you can forget about it again. Yeah, yeah. It, it's almost becomes this automation that yeah. once you've got good behaviours in place, 
it means you don't have to think about it because it does happen in the background. Simple so things just, like just engage yeah. with it, commit with it for long enough to get things sorted and feel better, and then you don't have to think about it again. That's yeah. right, and that in the road and the road to well-being, be it general well-being or in our case financial well-being, as you say, comes from engaging with stuff and not sticking your head in the sand. The one point that I think it came from fincap.org.uk was that in UK adults have much higher levels of current financial well-being, average score of 6.8 out of 10, than they do with longer term financial security, 4.7 out of 10, which suggests to me that the first of our five parts to financial well-being, which is having a clear path to identifiable objectives, is one that not enough people focus on. So in, in conclusion, one thing people can do in order to manage and control anxiety that leads from money worries is to engage with your money. Don't put your head in your sand if you're worried about money, whether it's something happening now or, or how you're going to cope with it in the future. Talk to someone, get help, and if you can afford it, speak to a financial planner. Yeah, I, I always think one example from a, a client that we've been helping for a number of years now was when they first come to us, they were racked with fears about their retirement and the fears of having to sell their family home to afford it, a home that they love spending time in. But all it was about is giving him clarity and just letting him understand where his various pensions were and what they could do for him and ultimately how much his lifestyle cost. And putting it all together, he was actually in a far, far better position than than I expected going in into, into that, discovering all the bits and bobs he had. But it was fascinating to show him that actually you can go hand in your notice tomorrow if you want he did within three months served his notice period because he's a good chap um but one thing that really hit me was the following year when i when i met him for our checkup because that's quite important as well just to delve in for that hour engage for an hour or so and then you can go off and not engage for another another year he said thank you tom you took the nightmares away and i felt that really hit me that clearly that had been really weighing him down and um i've been worrying him and he felt like a different man, and, and his health has improved in all sorts. And that is a worry. And I, and, and, you know, and I speak as somebody who is, uh, and we discussed this at the recent review I had with you. I'm somebody that's on the cusp of, of retirement now, and I'm starting to have to think, and of course, about what I'm going to do in my life. And and you do have those worries. I don't have nightmares as such, but I do worry. Oh, can I afford it? Can I afford it? Have I got enough money? And and actually, once you sit down and work it all out, and you realise that yes, you have then actually yeah. that's very reassuring. Yeah. But if you don't have those conversations, you're never going to find out. So I wonder if that could be the new Ovation slogan. Ovation, we help the nightmares go away. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been, as ever, a fascinating conversation. Uh, remember, as Chris has said, we're not experts in this field, but hopefully we'll have given you a little bit to, thought of, to think about. If there's anything you're still worried about, and read the financial well-being book, actually. I mean, that's something that we keep going on about. And if you've listen to all of these 50-odd podcasts. Hopefully you have read it by now. <laughs> and by the way, all the proceeds go to Penny Bron. If there are any financial advisors, financial planners listening, and you want to do a bulk deal, we can get you a discount. Quite a few companies have done that, actually, and they've given out, say, uh, one copy to, to 100 of their top clients sort of thing. So, yeah, get in touch if you want that. Excellent. OK, well, that's it then for today, and we'll be back with you very soon with another one in our series of Financial Wellbeing Podcasts. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. 
For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. Thank you.